listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And this morning, we're doing a special version of Opera for Everyone for two reasons. It's the, it's the first ever part two version of Opera for Everyone, where last week we listened to Carmen, and this week we're listening to Carmen again. We're going to listen to Acts 3 and 4. And the other more important reason that this is a, a special version of Opera for Everyone is that we have the inspiration for Opera for Everyone here in the studio with us. I'm very pleased to introduce to the KHOL community, Mrs. Pat Wright. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Keely. What an honor to be here with you. I, I love your show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should because you're the reason it exists. No, it's absolutely true. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play some music here, and then we'll get we'll get uh, ourselves organized, and we'll come back and talk about Bizet's Carmen. And we're so lucky to have Pat in the studio because Pat actually knows a little bit about opera and history. A little. A little. <laughs> All right. So let's have a listen to the intro to Bizet's Carmen, and we'll start the show. You're listening to 89.1 KHOL Jackson.
Il y sera, il y sera, il y sera, solat, 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and I am very pleased to introduce the inspiration for Opera for Everyone, Pat Wright. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Keely. I'm Happy so, to be here. I'm so excited to have you in the studio. So, as I said earlier in the program, this is a special edition of Opera for Everyone because we're doing part two of Carmen and also because Pat is in the studio and Part of the reason that I'm so excited that Pat's in the studio is she's a treasure trove of knowledge. And before we go any further, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, characters here in Carmen. Well, that would be fun to do at any rate. But since we're going to jump in with the second two acts for today's program, I thought it might be nice to catch people up because they probably haven't been just sitting waiting for the second half of the show. Probably. And, well, you never know. not have prepared. So, so let's talk a little bit about the setting for Carmen, who Carmen is, and who Carmen interacts with. Yes. Drop some knowledge, Pat. Well, tell me what you know first. Not a lot. I know that it's set in Seville, mm -hmm. which is in southern Spain, and that the opera debuted in sort of 1875. <laughs> the opera debuts in 1875, but it is set in 1820, Seville. And try, as I might, to come up with a wonderful political explanation for this whole thing. As tumultuous and interesting as the histories of France are, in, as France is in 1875 and as Spain is in the 1820s. Because Bizet is French. Bizet is French. But he's set, and he lives in, in Paris. France, in Paris, and, yes. and he's writing this. And he had, had he been to Seville? I do not believe so. My, my... Inquiry leads me to believe he did have. I mean, Bizet was a, a prodigy. He was in musical academy before he was 10 years old. Like, he was knocking the socks off of everyone. And so he does win, as a young man, he does win this prestigious prize to travel to Italy to study opera because that's where one goes to study opera. The birthplace of yes. opera. So he does study in Italy for three years. But to my knowledge, besides living in Paris, which is a cosmopolitan city, but it's one place, and his time in Italy, he does not travel other places. And yet, his operas, Carmen, the Pearl Fishers, the mm -hmm. ones that we probably know best, mm -hmm. are set in... Foreign lands. Exotic locales or have an exoticism to it. I mean, Spain doesn't seem as exotic as Ceylon, Sri Lanka, mm -hmm. for the Pearl Fishers, but it is exotic for him. Mm -hmm. It's very exotic for him, and he makes it even more exotic... We're going to segue right into your other question. He makes it even more exotic by putting a gypsy. Gypsy characters. In the center role. Because you want something exotic in a European setting? Boom. Put a gypsy in it. And so we have Carmen the Habanera. Yes. She's the, the gypsy woman who is going to um, embody all of those traits that are dangerous and sexy and not in accord with the general morality of European society. Sort of the late 1800s in Paris. Right. Probably even today, her behavior would not necessarily be considered True. all that moral. True. <laughs> she's an interesting person. So she's a gypsy, and that's really important to the story because she's not like everyone else there. She's not even like the majority of the other women who work in the factory. So just as a reminder for the first, we start outside the cigarette factory where Carmen is employed mm -hmm. with lots of other women because that's a job that women can get and they work in the factory. So they're being urban at this point. 
I stress the word urban because I think another contrast between the gypsies and the non-gypsies mm-hmm. or the gypsies and the Spaniards. The people that live in the, in, in the towns and they um, stay in one place. That's going to be a tension that runs through the whole show as well as a little less overt but nevertheless very clearly there, the tension between the urbanites or the people who associate themselves and spend their time in the city and the country dwellers. Mm-hmm. Guess who's considered more pure and more correct? Probably the country dwellers. Oh, All that indeed. fresh air. Indeed. So in this first scene, we get that right away introduced to us because we, we are in the city, we're outside the factory, and you've got the, the guards where the other the male lead will appear shortly, Don Jose, mm-hmm. and Michaela, the young, fresh, pure, pure, innocent maiden. Infatuated, chastely infatuated with Don Jose, comes bringing word and a message from his mother mm-hmm. again another s- another sign of purity mm-hmm. and so there we have this introduction of this little breath of fresh air and proper morality come from the country into the city and it's not entirely a comfortable situation for her but we have that introduction right away so we have the spaniards and we have the little sort of gypsy influence which is a little bit integrated but mostly other mm-hmm. seen on the fringe and then we have the breath of fresh air from the country, Michaela. And she represents traditional morality, purity, the things that people would say are are right about behavior and the way humans should be. And motherhood is is all wrapped up into that. Of still, course. Yeah. Still. Exactly. I mean motherhood is beyond reproach. It's Ex- sort of the Exactly well you never see the mother's not a character. She's just she exists in the background and mm-hmm. she she's talked about. She's not a character in the show. But you remember what happens once Michaela comes in? Why don't you? She well, in? she says she comes in and she's like, uh, Don Jose, your mom wants you to come home, and he's like, No, I'm here. I'm in the guard or whatever, and that's basically it. Yeah, she's like, Your mom wants you to come home, and he's like, Nope, I got to be here. I got to work, and she's like, Okay, well, I'm gonna go back to the country then too, and he's like, All right, well, see you later. Right, and. Also in that first scene, we, we are introduced to Carmen. And we mm-hmm. are introduced to Carmen when she and her fellow factory worker women come out for their smoke break. Right. They come out and they're taking their break from their factory. And Carmen does what she does, which is she's wildly sexy, incredibly flirtatious. And she sets her sights on someone. And that someone is... Don Jose. Yes, indeed it is. It makes him all nervous, and he gets flushed, and he's like, she's way too much, I can't deal. That's right, and he's putting up a little bit of a, you know, he knows what he's supposed to do, and he tries to go with that, but he doesn't manage to stay with that, because how does she first ensnare him? She's a wily woman. She sings. And she drops a flower. Oh, that's right, she throws a flower at him. Yeah. And the temptation of the flower and what he does with that temptation tells you everything you need to know about What does all. he do with it? What he is- picks it up and he inhales her aroma. Oh, and it's like, okay, so this is the thing, and I'm so glad you're here because I, I'm learning these things as I do these programs, and you know, and Grant knows too. So it's like the, these themes of like magic and mysticism and casting spells and all, like those types of themes seem to perpetuate themselves in a lot of operas. Well, in this this could be that. It could have a magical or or it could just be a flower. 
symbolic of mm-hmm. of his inability sort of. to resist the temptation of this very attractive woman. Right. And so now playing underneath what what we're talking about, the the, the chorus of the cigarreras, or how would you say that in, in French? Because this is, even though it's set in Seville, the libretto is still written in, in French. And at any rate, so playing underneath this is the cours des cigarreras. Perhaps that's the French. And they're they're coming in and they're talking about their life in the cigarette factory. And they're just generally chatting. And the young men around them are responding to them. And they're saying, we gaze after the smoke as it rises in the air, sweet smelling toward the skies. Gracefully, it mounts to your head. So gently, it exhilarates you. Lovers soft talk. It's smoke. Their raptures and promises. Smoke. Seduction. But the men are like, hey, where's Carmen? They're like, she's not here. But then she shows up. And as you said, she sees Don Jose. She drops the flower. And that introduces one of the most famous arias in all of opera, the habanera. Yes. You learn what you need to know about Don Jose when he relents and picks up this dropped offering from Carmen, this Mm -hmm. Sexy offering, really, because it, it, the aroma just intoxicates him. He's like a drunken man. He can't help himself. Well, indeed, I think you've said it just right. <laughs> he can't help himself. He can't help himself. And then Carmen lets us know who she is. And are you going to play a little bit? I am. I'm. Let's let's reprise the the Havanera and the. I venture that this is a familiar tune to folks who don't even go to opera and they it's it's out there oh, in the it, world. It, well, it is because do you know what happens is I listen to the opera throughout the week at the office yes. in my headphones and then my coworkers come over and they're like knock it off because I'm singing it of course out loud. <laughs> and then the it worst. gets stuck in their head and it's like the orvorm, the earworm, right? And they can't stop and so then they, they run around town singing the habanera. Pretty soon the whole town will be singing it. I'm sure, because our millions of listeners here. Or, or perhaps later, Escamillo's song. Right. So let's have a listen here to the Havanera, L'amour, l'amour est, est un oiseau rebelle, Love is a Rebellious Bird, by Carmen in Bizet's Carmen. Oh, <laughs> 
I love that song. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Carmen is one of the first operas that I ever saw, and I just I think it's 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 lucky actually that that was one of the first I ever that I ever experienced because it's such an explosion of stuff. Yes, so many of these arias and the, these major songs are not difficult to listen to, and you go out humming them. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that was the thing. I mean, and I. It's so interesting to do this program because I'm learning as I go along. Again, the whole premise of this is that I don't actually know a lot about opera, so I'm really lucky to have friends like you who are willing to come in and sort of illuminate not only the characters and, and the storyline, but you know what's happening historically and why these operas are written. Well, on that note, before we carry on with the story, yes. I, I thought it might be nice to, to give one other tiny piece of context. So... You mentioned that it was 1875 when this opera debuted in Paris, mm-hmm. and it's called Opera Comique. Right. Funny. But no, it's called Opera Comique, which would seem to translate to comic opera. But, that's... but it was the place. There were two opera houses in Paris. Correct. There were. And so there was the main opera house, which was high opera. And then this is more... Um, For the masses. It, it was a little more accessible, but what distinguished it from high opera, truly, there's an evolution over a few hundred years, but by the time Bizet is writing and this is being performed, all opera comique means, because Carmen, of course, isn't comic. It's tragedy. True, It, it True. is tragedy by any, any definition, right. any, any understanding of it. But it's called opera comique because, it, as written initially, it is 
a balance of spoken word and the sung arias. Mm. Now, the version of opera, or excuse me, the version of Carmen that we typically listen to now. It's all sung. Is all sung mm-hmm. because, in fact, it wasn't performed that way initially. Initially, right. It was performed with the arias being sung and the duets and, and all of this, but the incidental dialogue was spoken. But it gets translated into... Recitative. Je ne sais pas. Ah, uh, bien. Ce n'est important. <laughs> but it is translated by one of his friends who's also involved in opera shortly after his Because demise. he died shortly after the 30th, somewhere in the 30th. In the initial run. Right. He, he actually died tragically from... I heart. think it was like lung, lung yeah, cancer. Yeah, there, there's some question, but he'd been unwell and his heart gave out, I guess. It's mm. just the way to put it. He, and before he died, he asked his friend, the version that I'd like to see used going forward is the one that has the singing. Although there is some debate about that story. Really? Yes. It's not universally agreed that that's what happened because sometimes stories like that are put out to justify what's done. Sure. So perhaps he did. Perhaps he didn't. Doesn't really matter. We enjoy it, and his beautiful music is what we hang on to. But it's it's good. But we to digress. Know. But we digress. But I think it is worth noting that something called opera comique is not necessarily. Funny. Oh, see now, I I I would not have known that, Pat. Well, happy it's to just help. okay. So it's so the opera comique is is the distinct the distinction between high opera and more accessible opera. Well, more specifically, it's going to be opera that has the musical bits interspersed with the spoken. Dialogue. More singing. It's going to have the songs, and it's going to have the spoken. Oh, I see. Okay. So I had it backwards. So it debuted at the Opera Comique in Paris in 1875 without the singing in between. Right. And now the versions that we all are familiar with have everything in it is sung, because even though it was not well-received initially, this is worth talking about, the reception of this opera, because it wasn't well It was scandalous. It was seen as scandalous because these characters were amoral. Were amoral, were not worthies. They were low lives. They were the underbelly of society. So to have an, an entire opera dedicated to the story of this sort of gypsy woman was seen as scandalous. Yes, yes. Unpleasant. And we can talk more about that later. Let's go back to the... Let's um, go back to the drama. Okay, so... Let's go back to the drama. So uh, in Act One, Carmen enchants Don Jose... And and with we hear she she gives him the flower she sings a habanera and then we move into Act Two and then what happens in Two? We must remember in Act One, besides introducing these characters, one of the key events that propels the action takes place. She gets in a fight with some of the other oh, women. That's right. In the factory. Inside the factory. She gets in a fight, and long story short, she's arrested. Right. Uh, for being an instigator, um, a perpetrator of violence against one of the other women. And you can guess who has to arrest her. Don Jose. He's like, hey, hey, baby, you're a naughty girl. You're going to jail. Again, he's still trying to be the good boy, still trying to be good. He's been instructed by his superior officer to arrest the wrongdoer. And he goes to do that. And she's she knows her. She's right. She's a capable woman. And she's like, my friend. You're going to let me go. No, I'm not. No, you're, you're going to let me go because you love me. And does he let her go? Yeah, of course he does. Yeah, they stage a little... A little Scuffle, a kerfuffle. They, yeah, they, they, they give him a, a plausible... Plausible deniability. That she's pushed him and she somehow overpowered him. Well, ultimately, the authorities don't see it that way. Yes, she escapes, but... It's his fault. 
And what happens to him? He goes to prison. He goes to prison. So here we've gone in one act from this guy who's heard from his mother and he sees his sweetheart from the countryside and he's trying to do right. Long braids and her beautiful dress and she's all. And he's gone to prison to protect this sultry seductress. Gypsy woman. There has to be a magical spell element to this. He even in the first act refers to her, oh, she must be a witch with that kind of idea. So we wrap up Act 2. Don Jose is in prison. Act 2, when we open it, he's just getting out of prison. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Okay, so Act 1. He's just in prison for a month or two. Not that you'd want to be there, but it is a month or two. Yeah, can you imagine a prison in 1820s Seville? Let's not. But he survives. He comes out, and he goes to a tavern. The Lilas Pastis. Into that tavern to find this woman. Carmen. And you know he must have been thinking about her those long days and nights in jail so would you like to listen to that song the duet about the flower yes Sí, 
and shortly before this song, she's in the tavern, along with that superior, remember the superior officer? Zuniga. Zuniga, who had instructed Don Jose to arrest Carmen, and he's the one who lets her know that Don Jose is free. So this is what I don't understand. Why is Zuniga hanging out with Carmen in the tavern? I don't get it. I, he, that's just it's it's a Bizet fabulous doesn't, what a fun place to be it's letting you know that it's a it's an entertaining place there are these fabulous women or these interesting women who are happy to flirt and happy to have fun and and why wouldn't he be there he's a man it just seems weird he's a man what? so it, it's not explained it's not a it's not a big part of the storyline I just thought it was weird I was like why is he there if his reporting officer is in prison why is he hanging out with the woman I don't know. It just seemed weird. But it isn't. It isn't ever really explained. It's not like she owns the tavern. She just frequents it. I see. Okay. Yeah. And guess who else comes to that tavern? Escamillo. Escamillo. It's set in Spain. So if it's set in Spain and you're looking for something fabulous and exotic, what kind of character do you have? A bullfighter. Bullfighter. A matador. Let's hear yeah, how, how Escamillo introduces himself. Oh my goodness! Okay, so let me—I got to try and find this. The sortie. This while, while you're looking there, I could just mention that Escamillo not only comes in swaggering, swaggering, swaggering. He has an entourage. Escamillo, he is hot. He is hot, and he knows it. Like sexy hot. Yes, I mean you. Not can like make, warm hot. No, I mean hot. He's hot. <laughs> He's enchanting. All right, I'm going to skip ahead and let's see what happens here. In Act Two, this is the the chorus. His his Toriador, uh, yeah, of Escamillo. So they're coming, and this is the first time that we are introduced to Escamillo's crew. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. Allô, 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 
listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. That song, Pat. That song is the one that sticks with me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's the one that I walk around. Well, Can I tell the, you something? Yes, tell me. It is the first piece of opera I ever heard. And those of you who are old enough to remember this or have watched TV Land or wherever Gilligan's Island exists in the world will remember that this song is used in Yes, you heard this right, the opera episode of Gilligan's Island. 
Seriously. Seriously. I had this memory. So good old YouTube and I checked it out. And I actually remembered it exactly right. The crew. The, the, the sh- millionaire and his wife. So the skipper and Marianne play a scene. Uh, by the way, it's it's not Carmen that they're doing. They decide to uh, create an opera of Hamlet. And so it's... Do a mashup. Yeah, it's neither a borrower nor a lender be. Ah. And they sing the whole... It's very camp like Gilligan's Island was. But anyway... There we go. Right in the background, there's that I tune. love Gilligan's Island. So that's just a little bit of pop culture Trivia. reference. You want to talk about the reception yeah. of the opera? Yeah, yeah. Poor Georges Bizet. He wrote this magnificent work. And he's like dying. Well, he wrote this magnificent work. It's been a struggle because political upheavals were real in France. And there were interruptions to his career. He even signed up for the, the National Guard during the Franco-Prussian War. He'd gone through a lot to get there. And he finally gets this going. I mean, even the even one of the directors of the Opera Comique, where it's going to be produced, is like, no, this is too much. We can't we can't put our audience through this. That guy finally leaves. They're able to put on the opera, and then the critics are like, "Are you kidding me? This is this is about low lives. This is about smugglers and um, gypsies and, and gypsies. These are not virtu- people who hang out in taverns. These are not virtuous people. Oh, by the way." Michaela that we introduced a little bit earlier, the, the pure woman from the country. Mm-hmm. Who's in love with Don Jose. She, in fact, was not part of the original story that this is based on. So they introduced her to try and inject some they give morality. Little, the, yeah, the, the bad girl, good girl thing. She's there as a, yes, we know what's right. We know what, that's not what our story's focusing on, but we know that this is right. They introduce her as a character. In fact, the original story is primarily, primarily told from John, Don Jose's point of view while he's sitting in prison awaiting execution for the murder of Carmen. But Carmen's a married woman also at this point. It's like any of these things where there's a, a musical or a movie or a play right, made right, from right. a work of literature. It gets rewritten and rewritten. So that said, when Bizet's opera premieres, the critics are furious, mm-hmm. mostly. Interestingly, though, the people who are not furious, people like Wagner, people like Tchaikovsky. Huh. So the ones who knew opera and knew music and were very successful at their craft said, this is the real deal. This guy knows what he's doing. Really? They were yeah. inspired. In fact, Tchaikovsky said at the time, and this is about the time he was doing Swan Lake. Swan okay. Lake also premiered same year. Ten years hence, he says, Carmen will be the most popular opera in the world. Tchaikovsky says this. Okay, and, and even better, you know what Wagner says? What? Wagner says, I wish I had written it. Here, thank God, at last for a change, is somebody with ideas in his head. Really? Yeah, so he's... From Wagner. From Wagner, who and had, had, who had of lots of ideas. He had a lot of ideas in his head. So it's interesting, these luminaries are praising it. But the popular reaction is very critical. It nevertheless has over 30 performances in its initial run. And mm-hmm. it's during that period of time in the latter end of that run that Bizet finally does die of a heart condition. Right. So going back to the to the Toriador, you had mentioned that, was it the librettist came and said, we need... We need oh. a we need a an epic song for Escamillo. Essentially, yes, we need we need we need big we need bold One big need, song. And Bizet was trying to be a little more. And this is what's recorded anyway. His instinct is telling him, 
it's going to be clear who this guy is. Mm-hmm. He is a showboat. He is a braggart. He's a matador after all. Right. That's part of who the gets into gig. a ring with bulls. Right. That's that's part of what they have to do. So he writes this big old song. This big old. Song. He's like, fine. Here's your stupid big song. Exactly. And that's Toreador. And that's Toreador, which we love. We love the bigs. I mean, we love the big uh, I love spectacle. that song. And nevertheless, you know, one of his friends tried to comfort him in saying, listen, it's, it's the character who's big. Your music is just following the character. And obviously it stayed in. It's oh, not like he pulled it out. It's such so. a shame that he died. That is a common comment that, in, in fact, it, it's believed that he introduces into this world, which then carries over, and this is remarkable that it has influence in Italy, which is the birthplace of the epicenter Mm -hmm. for opera, this more realistic sort of opera where it's not just these grand mythical characters. Right, and and counts and countesses and duchesses and blah, blah. That they're a little more willing to do, and it, it really does begin this age of a willingness to use more everyday people, common and flawed people. Interesting. Which is so much more interesting than, I guess, there are a lot of archetypes throughout opera, but then to to shift from just sort of the mythical Orpheuses and the, you know, whatevers of the world, because that had been a big part of how opera developed, right? Right. They had gone back to Greek and Roman myths. And the counts and the countesses and the kings and the queens. You know, it's just, exactly, exactly. Yeah, this really does signal or a begin or and it's part a of this change shift. indeed so pat we could talk for i mean i actually as we we're talking i was like perhaps we need to do carmen part three next week but let's let's make an attempt at least all right let's well get through the end of act two and then we can spend act three and four well do you want to tell us what happens at the end of act two i don't know what happens at the end of act two would you like me to help? Yes, please. Escamillo has introduced himself in this large way. Carmen and the other, and she's not alone. She's with some of her, her gypsy friends. Fresquita. Fresquita and Mercedes. Mercedes. And they're dancing and drinking and singing with the having soldiers. Fun. They're having a great time, including Zuniga and the the other men, the gypsy men in, mm-hmm. the, in the group, are hatching this plan, a smuggling plan. Right. It's their scheme. It's what they do. And Carmen says, no, I will not be involved. I love a soldier, and I will be true to him. And we're all sitting on our seats thinking. Yeah, right. Exactly. And in fact, we hear the, the Dragoon song, the song of his regiment, in the distance. And, and the gypsy women go, oh, he's kind of cute. <laughs> he's, he's very good. And, but the men look out and they go, yeah, he looks like he could handle some, oh, right. You know, they see an opportunity. He's, that's a young, strong man. Let's, uh, he'd make a great smuggler. Mm-hmm. And so they pressure Carmen into saying, okay, you can have your man. Just make your man one of us. Right. Make him a smuggler. They reunite Carmen and Jose when he comes in. He's not real thrilled about going to the dark side again, not wanting to become a smuggler. And she's, again, trying to seduce him into this behavior that he doesn't want to do. This time of being a smuggler and a stronger dereliction of duty than when he let her go. Before. And he's already spent a couple of months in prison. On her account. And he's saying, hey, babe, I love you. I went to prison for you. And she's like, well, I love it- you, baby, but I got to go. He, no, not to go, though. I spent time in prison for you. Isn't that proof enough of my love? And she's like, no, no, it's not. But, but d- isn't it time for him then to return to the... 
Well, he he's he's ready to say no, uh-huh. but it all falls apart when Zuniga comes back into the picture, and basically the Gypsy Band capture him. They're like, "Okay, buddy, what are you going to do?" And Don Jose, at this point, just gets crumbles. It. He crumbles. He's like, "It's too much to fight. I will join you." Right. And oh, bonus, I get to be with Carmen. It was my out of true. My, who, it's just out of my control. Which he he's convinced himself she is his true love. We're a little skeptical. Because we've seen her, but he's he is hook, line, and sinker. Baby got it bad. He does. So they leave the tavern. The gypsies, they capture Zuniga. They basically say, like, okay, Don Jose, you don't have any choice. You're on our crew. We're going to go smuggle stuff. They leave the tavern. And then Act 3 begins with them in the hills, right? They're, they're in their encounter. The smugglers' in the gypsy encampment. encampment. Mm. Yes. And they're doing what they do to pass time. And Don Jose, still struggling to be a good boy, is thinking and singing a little bit about his mom. Right. Because his mom loves him and his mom wants him to be with the Michaela. virtuous and right. pure Michaela. But Carmen's there and she's like, What are you doing? Well, okay. I think I'm done with you. Go home to your mother now. And he's like, you're kidding. I've ruined my entire life for you. My entire life for you. I, I can't, like, I'll kill you before I'll give up on you. Right. A little foreshadowing there. And so then what happens? So this is where we left off last week when I was like, I can't, I just can't, like, wrap it up. It's, there's too much and the music is too good. and Because the... what else do gypsies do? They, they read fortunes. They read they fortunes. They tell fortunes. And so is there a particular song here? I'm just looking at the, the track list. I don't know if there's a song about the the fortune. So Frasquita and Mercedes are, oh yeah, they're, they're saying Melon Coupon, which I guess is the, what they're talking about is the, the fortunes, their own fortunes, and what might be in store for them. And then they read Carmen's fortune. And do we want to listen to that song? Sure. Do we need to set it up or do we just say that this is... Oh, let's, let's listen to it and then we can talk about it. Okay. I'm going to bring it up with Mercedes, Frasquita, and Carmen reading their fortunes. And this is Carmen saying that I'm going to take my turn here at reading my fortune. You're listening to 89.1 KHOL and this is Opera for Everyone. Oh, <laughs> 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron. And me, Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode.
tuned in you're listening to opera for everyone on 89.1 khol and on today's show you're listening to bizet's carmen yes and that was the second act overture followed by the song which celebrates gypsy life commonly known as the gypsy song and now just a little bit of our song anticipating the entrance of our toreador Listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL Jackson. My name is Keely Heron, and I'm joined here in the studio by my inspiration for Opera for Everyone, Mrs. Pat Wright. Thanks so much for being here. It's so exciting. We even have the the opera helmet. A little bit Wagnerian. Opera um, Opera is a full contact sport. You got to have a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get. You know back what to was in action. the cards for Carmen? I, I know, but in the cards, no matter what they do, when she reads her fortune cards. Death. 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 So they shuffle, they cut, they try it, they do it over and over. Death. Inescapable death. Well, that's cheerful. Yeah, it is. We get a sense that we know where this is headed. All right. So they're hanging out at the gypsy encampment, beginning of Act 3. Fresquita and Mercedes and Carmen read their cards. Don Jose is like, I don't know about this whole like gypsy life thing and... Carmen's like, fine, Don Jose, just go home to your mother. And Don Jose is once more given an order. He's told, you need to go watch the goods out in the mountains because we are their customs agents. You're a strong soldier type guy. Mm-hmm. Go go do your job. He's being given his commands by, by the gypsies. And <laughs> I don't know how she finds him, but guess who comes up to find him while he's Michaela? In... Michaela. Get out. Sweet. Pure Michaela comes. Got, she's got some navigation skills. She's she's clever, that one. She knows how to find that Don Jose. But before she can interact with him, there's someone rustling, not her. What? An intruder. What? Oh, no. Who could it be? Carmen? Don Jose <gasps> fires a shot. <gasps> Terrifying. The sweet, pure, innocent, shy Michaela. Does he kill her? It's He doesn't shoot at... He's, he's a, it's a warning shot. Oh, I see. Okay. 
Oh, gosh. And I it wasn't Carmen, by the way. Your guess was incorrect. Okay. <laughs> it was Escamillo. What's Escamillo do? Oh. oh. That's why he was sent to protect the smuggled goods. Well, Escamillo's not interested in the smuggled goods. We know it. No, but that's why Don Jose was sent to, to, to protect the smuggled goods. Because Carmen, did Carmen know that Escamillo was coming? That I couldn't tell you. Mm. Mm, we don't know. But Escamillo is enraptured by this. And she's, arguably, she's the, you know, the female counterpoint to him. The, the self-assured, mm-hmm. exuding sexual attraction, confidence. I can have who I want. She seems to live her life that way, as does he. And he's, he's after her. She's, she's put him off by saying, no, no, there's a soldier I love. And he's like, you've got to be kidding. When you could have me. Right. Yeah. So Don Jose and Escamillo. They meet. Have at it with each other. The two admirers, of, as we might say, of Carmen. Right. And so I need to find that song. The act three Don Jose and Escamillo song. Right? Mm. Act three duo Escamillo Don Jose. Oh, it's coming up. It's right there. Right there. It's number 22, Beast. Receipt. Calcalina Plu. Calcalina Plu Ba. That's what it's called. Calcalina Plu Ba. It's something about like the lines. The lines are lowered. Something like that. I, I think Escamillo is very clear that he loves Carmen. And Don Jose is like, no way, buddy. I, I went to jail. I dishonored myself. I'm living here soldier. in the mountains. I've turned into, uh, I've become an outlaw for uh, out of my love for this woman. Right. And Escamillo is like, whatever. I love her. He's like, I'm a toreador. I'm super sexy. I'm There's a- no way that she's going to choose you over me. Because I got it going on. All right, well, let's listen to that. That's This is um, in Act 3 of Bizet's Carmen, and this is a, a duo, a duet between Escamillo and Don Jose that's happening in the gypsy encampment in the mountains. You're listening to 89.1 KHOL, Jackson. Les amours de Carmen ne durent pas six mois. 
So that was the duet of Escamillo and Don Jose yes. at the beginning of Act, or excuse me, near the end of Act Three in Bizet's Carmen. So when they what encounter happens? one another and begin to converse, Don Jose knows his name. He's like, "Ah, oh, I know who you are. You're Escamillo." And Escamillo is like, "Well, everybody knows who I am. Right? I am the, I'm toreador. the toreador. I am. I am super cool." And Escamillo is like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to find a friend of mine. Don Jose is like, oh, is it the girl that you love? Is she here? Exactly. It's the gypsy girl. She's my friend. Don Jose doesn't want to jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. But of course he does. He says, what's her name? And what's her name? Carmencita. Yeah, that's her name. So this does not go down well with Don Jose, but he keeps his cool for a short time. And Don Jose says, well, if you take one of our gypsy girls, you see he's associating himself with this band of outlaw gypsies. If you take one of our gypsy girls away, you know that there's a price to pay. And Escamillo, Mr. Bravado, Uh says, okay, I will pay the price. He's like, whatever, I get in the ring with balls, dude. And Don Jose is price you pay is with my knife uh, dun, dun, dun. and ultimately Escamillo is like wait a minute she keeps telling me that there's this soldier she's in love with is that you could that be you and the world being what it is of course it is right of course it is and so the two of them are going at it and right at the end there what did you hear whose voice did we hear at the end of the music we heard Carmen's beautiful voice. So, right. 
she shows up in the nick of time to prevent prevent them from killing each other basically basically yeah so so carmen shows up and that's good that's good it only enforces the fact that she has so much power over these two mostly over don jose but she does have power she's gotten escamillo to come out to the the smuggler's hideaway and so this is this is at the end of act three Right, and, and and so Don, so Escamillo, he's like, hey, by the way, I'm uh, I'm going to be in a bullfight. Guys, should all come see me? No way. Well, so so what's happening here? I mean, do you want to listen? There's these these final arias here in Act Three before we get into Act Four. So the songs are, prends garde à toi, Carmen, like take guard of yourself, Carmen, and that's Don Jose, and some of the gypsies. And then there's a reprise of the Toreador on guard. Let's do that. Okay. Let's listen to that. And then that that's going to pretty much wrap up Act 3, and then we're going to go into Act 4. Well, yeah, we, we'll talk a little bit about after we listen to this, but the Toreador song is, is back when Escamillo says, oh. I'm a Toreador, and I'm going to have a bullfight, and you guys should come. And you they're should, all like, okay. You guys should come. And, and it's also just a way of saying, just remember who I am and how... Fabulous I am. Yeah, because this is his big bad song that Bizet was like, fine, I'll write you a big song. All right, let's, let's listen to that, Pat. Let's listen to that big fat song. Okay, so that was the Toreador song. That was the... And then this is the instrumental... But we need to explain. We left Michaela hiding in the bushes. And she's fine there, isn't she? She can just hang out. Well, she's fine-ish. But she's discovered some of the other band of smugglers see her. Oh, they find her. The, the other gypsies find Michaela. Well, they find her. And Don Jose is still with them. And he's like, oh, Michaela. What what in the world are you doing here? So they hadn't seen each other before. Escam- no, she went to see him. <sighs> but then Escamillo showed up. And then oh, when he, okay, okay. he's trying to protect the goods, and then he's Escamillo, right. and then there's the big fight. And right, the, okay. And then the I'm a Toreador, and hey, why don't you guys come and see so my me- thing? So meanwhile, Michaela's been hiding in the bushes the whole time, mm-hmm. and they find her. Don Jose is like, Michaela, what in the world are you doing here? And she's like... Uh, Don Jose, I, I came because I have some important news to I'm share. I'm pregnant. Okay, now listen. We keep explaining. She's pure and chaste. Oh, right, 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 right. She's the good, good, good girl. I know. I was. Just, I just wanted to say that. It was all she could do when, in the first act, the mother said, kiss my son for me. She gives him the most chaste little peck of a kiss. Yeah. It's just a very short, quick one. <laughs> that sounded kind of gross. That did, actually. <laughs> At any rate... She's like, Don Jose, I have important news for you. 
you know, you may be doing all this other right, stuff. Right, right, yes. Your mother, your mother whom you love, your mother who means everything to you, who brought you up, your mother is dying. <sighs> Soul crushing. And she says, Don Jose, you must go home and see your mother. She wants you. He's like, but I gotta go with this bullfight thing and And what does what does Carmen say? I have no idea. Carmen says, Go see your mother, little boy. God, she is just not a very nice person. She's really not. Uh, she says, Go see your mother, little boy. And and you know, meanwhile she's like, Oh, there's this hot torriador who looks like he might be good for some fun. And Don Jose's jealousy is up, right? Since he's met Escamillo. And he's like, you're telling me to go home just because you want to run off with that bullfighter of yours. And he says, okay, I'm going to go see my mother because that's what I must do. But we are a pair. We will never be separated. We will see each other again. And with this, with this proclamation, then we hear in the background the siren song of Escamillo, the Toreador song, and Carmen goes and Jose threatens her as she's trying to go and he stops her and he's like we will be together you're mine I just have to go see my mom right now (laughs) somehow that got really creepy and then it got like not as creepy but maybe more creepy like we're gonna be together but yeah no no, no. or I'm gonna kill you and but I just gotta go hey I'm just gonna go see my mom and then I'm gonna come back no they're the threat the threat is there. And what's interesting to notice, I mean, this is probably a good time to pause and talk about this. What's interesting to notice is, like, who is Carmen the character in Act One? She's this, like, free gypsy woman who's independent. She's working in a cigarette factory. She's free, and, and everybody does, loves her. And she's sexy and alluring, and she mm-hmm. knows it, and she does what she wants. Is she that person in Act Three? No, she, what, okay, she still is. She really is. She does what she wants. I mean, she's trying. She, like, tried to say, oh, no, I'm with this soldier, but she doesn't stick to that when she finds this other guy appealing. She's, she's free, independent, does what she wants to do. She uses her sexuality, and she's very comfortable with that. But who's Don Jose in the first act? He's a, like, a duty-bound, does-the-right-thing cop. Basically, with his with his sweet Michaela, the mm-hmm. love of his life, his mother, but he's he's off working, doing what he ought to do. But we see what happens to Don Jose as time goes by. Who is he by the end of Act One? He's already he's in jail, disobeyed orders, and gone to jail. In Act Two, he's gone back to the temptation that got him in jail in the first place. He's run off into the woods with her, basically, the countryside. And he's become a smuggler. In Act 3, he's threatening to kill the man who's posing as a rival to the woman he's fallen in love with. Mm -hmm. And by the end of Act 3, he's threatening to kill the woman that he's in love with. Don Jose has gone down. He's a hot mess. he He has gone down a steep decline. His morals have suffered... Dramatically, I feel pretty bad for him now. I think then you are deeply into the story as Bizet wanted you to be. 
He's a tricky little sucker, isn't he? All right, well, let's listen to this. Let's just listen to some of the music because this is sort of the, we're getting near to the end of Act 4 here, of, of, the, of the opera. Getting near to the end of the opera. We're just starting Act 4, aren't we? It's a very short act. Musically. Well, musically. Musically, it's a very short act. A lot happens in the storyline, but there's a not not a lot in terms of music. It happens very quickly. So let's have a listen to this is just the, the chorus and they're they're I I think they're just talking about let's take a look here. They're all excited for the bullfight, no? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what's going on. So let's have a listen. You're listening to eighty nine one K Joel. that song again it's a good one it is a good one and and you notice here it's not him bragging about himself it's it's all of the townspeople admiring throng and and so where we are right now in terms of geography is we're outside a bullring yeah in seville in southern spain and it's about 1820 and we've experienced this whole storyline about carmen the lovely gypsy woman who is Habanera, she's a cigarera. She works in a cigarette factory. She rolls tobacco. And then her real job is being a gypsy and smuggling things and living the free gypsy life. And she encounters Don Jose, who is a guard, and he's a good guy. He, he uh, is a law-abiding citizen. He's from the country, and he's pretty much a good guy. And Michaela, the lovely young maiden from the village, comes to tell him, that his mother sends word 
So that's where we begin the opera in Act One. But by Act Four, so much has happened in terms of Don Jose's life. Don Jose has gone down a steep decline. Mm -hmm. He has gone from being a good soldier, a good law-abiding fellow, to someone who disobeys orders, to someone who's become a smuggler, to someone who has started a knife fight with a man he views as a rival, and threatening to kill that man, and also threatening to kill the woman, because she's no longer seems devoted to him, which is true. Because when Don Jose leaves, Carmen, arm in arm with Escamillo, off to the bullfight. So what we've just heard is the townspeople, all of Escamillo's swaggering, it's real. I mean, he, he is adorable. He's a superhero. He, he's a rock star. Yeah. So the, the whole thing with bullfighting, I mean, because it's, it's, it's controversial now, but it still happens. Like, people still go to bullfights in Spain. Like, it's a deal. Yeah. But back then, was there any of the sort of moral hazard or like they thought that, oh, this isn't a good thing, it's not politically correct? Or were they just full on like, yeah, let's put a guy in a ring and have him kill some bulls? Uh, I think if there were people who objected to it on the grounds that people tend to today, I don't think they, I don't think they got much airtime. No, this, this was the, the height of popularity in a way to show your masculine prowess. So they were, I mean, like the bullfighters of sort of 1800s Spain. Rock stars. Yeah, or football players now, or soccer players now. Like they're All of that rolled into heroes. one. Right, yeah, all of it. Because then they just get in a ring and they yeah. kill a bull. Well, yeah, the ones who survived anyway. Right. Right, so the ones who did well, I mean, they, they were talented. They were talented. So it's important to remember that Bizet had not been to Spain, and but he was using Spain as an exotic. You know, we don't think of Spain and France as being that far apart, but they are quite different. Culturally, very different, right? Especially southern Spain, right? Exactly. So I mean, it is because you get that Moorish influence, and the it's hot, and it's just flamenco. I mean, flamenco it, was it, born in southern Spain. It's an exotic setting for him. So Seville is an exotic setting, Escamillo, therefore is an exotic character. Also exotic, the seductive gypsy, mm-hmm. the gorgeous, gorgeous gypsy. So this, this exoticism is, it's part of the excitement. It's part of what you want to see when you go to the opera. You want to see something fun. So while he was criticized initially, and by the way, this does go away, I'd say rather quickly. It was less than 10 years later, for example, that Carmen had its debut at the Metropolitan Opera in New York. Nine years later. That's right. We get over this really quickly. The, the shock, and, and it, it is worth noting that it's not well received in the beginning, but the quality of the opera, the musicality, is is embraced in a relatively short order, I would say. Uh, just well, poor Bizet didn't get to know that is, is the trouble. <laughs> and, that, and that's another interesting thing, too. So we, we look at Italy was the birthplace of opera, and this is sort of 1875 in Paris, and... Then they bring it to Italy, and then 10 years later, they bring it to the States. And, and now we're looking at, I mean, the 1900s, it, it's not that long ago from our perspective to be able to contextualize, like, what was going on in New York at that time when the, when the Metropolitan Opera debuted this and, and how modern thinking starts to impact how this opera would have been received in New York at that time. 
Well, if you want to have a fun time, you can easily, in the archives of the New York Times, pull up the review from that date, from the when it premiered, which is kind of a fun way to truly... Did you, did you look at that? I, I noticed its existence. I did you not didn't, read it. didn't read it. Yeah, but... but but that does that does put you there and then in the eyes of the reviewer at any rate they're looking at it from that period of time but the opera becomes popular because the merits are so strong wagner and tchaikovsky were right it's a it's a great opera and it has stood the test of time yeah so in terms of what's going on right now in the action of the opera and there is actually just so much has happened and so much goes into this but then this act four that happens outside the bull, the bull ring where Escamillo is going to fight another bull, then the, the culmination of all of this setup is happening. And because of what happened with the reading of the cards and the other gypsies and Carmen knows that death is in the cards and are, are, the, are the other people aware of kind of Carmen's fear or is she even aware of her fear of death or does she still think she's 10 feet tall and bulletproof? I'm not going to answer that piece of it, but what what is powerful dramatically in this is that it's a party. It's a celebration. We just heard that the townspeople, the admirers with the Toreador song and all of that. It's a carnival. It's it's happy. It's exciting. This is the show they all want to come see and Escamillo and it's all wonderful. And as an audience, we know, and Carmen, obviously, in the back of her head, knows that the cards have been read. She's heard these threats from Don Jose. Does she take them seriously? I mean, knowing Carmen, I think she shrugs her shoulders at them. and She laughs in the face Throws of death. her chin up and, and carries on with what she wants to do. Arguably, the reading of the cards is going to be the thing that rattles her most and is, is sitting there in the back of her head. But death, death comes to us all at one time or another. So does it mean very soon? Obviously, it did, but but we don't know that. Yeah, it's, she doesn't. She's not. She doesn't take precautions. She's not thinking like, "Oh, I'm going to die." Carmen, this is is part of my my understanding of the show. Is Carmen is Carmen? Carmen does what she wants to do, and there are going to be consequences that kind of fall out, collateral damage all around her. But Carmen does what she wants to do. Carmen makes her own choices. So let's. Actually, let's go back and let's listen again to this chorus where everyone's getting ready for Carmen and Escamillo to come in and or, or they're waiting for Escamillo. And this this song that we've just listened to will talk a little bit about what that's going to say. And so they're saying the matadors are coming in. What's a quadrilla? The Toreador's quadrilla, I guess they're posse. They're coming into the square. Glory to courage. Here come the bold chulus, the banderilleros, the picadores, how, how handsome they are. And then Escamillo comes in magnificently dressed, and Carmen is there, and she's wearing her best. And he says to her, if you love me, Carmen, soon you can be proud of me. And she says, I love you, Escamillo, I love you, and may I die if I have ever loved anyone as much as you. Uh-oh. It's a little bit of foreshadowing there. There's plenty of it in here if you're paying attention. So let's, let's have a listen to this, the chorus, and then coming into introducing Escamillo and Carmen prese- uh, professing their love for one another here on 89.1 KHOL.
exciting it's all very exciting shall we shall we reveal how this all wraps up yes i know you're gonna play the music soon but we won't be talking after that so right so carmen is with escamillo and her friends mercedes and Pasquita, and they see don jose he's, he's lurking he's back from the country he's like a creepy lurker he said he would be back Dun, dun, dun. to claim her and they're like Carmen our dear friend you can't go see him he's dangerous he's not a happy man and he could be a dangerous man and Dark Carmen is just like ah, I'll do what I want I'm not afraid of him I'm not a woman to tremble in front of him I'm expecting him and I'll go talk to him she's not worried about him at all or maybe she is but she's all she's not going to show that she's nervous she's not worried it's about all bravada him. she says I'm not afraid of anything and her friends are worried about her. But they're all caught up in this carnival and excitement. So so it's an interesting thing at the end here we've, where we've got Carmen, who's all bravado, and she's going to have this showdown with this man who's maybe even a little unhinged because he's so... Because his fall from grace has been pretty spectacular. His fall from grace has been spectacular, and scorned lovers are not always stable people. Well, based on my extensive experience with scorned lovers, they're not. Not. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't had any scorned lovers. <laughs> Not stable people. So in the final duet, Carmen confronts him and says, I've been warned. I was even told that I should fear for my life, but I'm no coward. And I have no intention of running away. Carmen is Carmen, self-confident, full of her own confidence and willingness to confront whatever's well, in whatever's there and this is kind of what we were talking about while the music was playing too it was interesting this uh, obviously the opera is called carmen yes and you were talking a little bit about how it was received poorly because of the low lives and the lack of morality right and then you said it was rewritten as these things often are to introduce michaela to bring some morality not necessarily rewritten but but it was it these things were added it's yeah. modified yes to introduce michaela and and when I was saying, oh, I feel bad for Don Jose, and you were saying, well, that's what Bizet wanted. And, and then you were talking about how it, he's introducing this idea of, of morality and how complicated it can be. And, and you were saying that this is actually not Carmen's story. See, that, that would be my argument. I'm sure others have made it. But spending time with this score, with this libretto, Carmen is Carmen, and she is a powerful force, and she is interesting, and she's got beautiful songs to sing. But this is really, I believe, Don Jose's story. 
Carmen remains Carmen. Mm. And he, uh, he's a far more complex character. I mean, there's more to him than to her in, in some ways. Yeah, he, Don Jose is the one who has to make all these decisions and things go badly for him. And when he keeps having to make these decisions about how he's going to behave and it's not necessarily how he would have, in his calm, rational moments, how he would have himself behave. Up to the point in the beginning of the opera, he's behaved the way his mother would want him to. And very quickly, after the opera begins and he encounters Carmen, he's no longer someone his mother is going to approve of every action. And the actions get worse and worse and worse. And so do we know at, at, the, at the end of Act 3 there when... Escamillo shows up and Michaela is discovered and your mother is dying and Don Jose is like, Carmen, you can't be with Escamillo. You have to be with me and I'm going to kill him and I'm going to kill you. And I, But hang on a sec. I just got to go check on my dying mother. Do we know if his mother, do we know anything or does that, it, that doesn't matter to the story? I, I don't believe we know. I think we're left to assume that he saw her. Michaela's so straightforward and honest, we're just going to believe her, that his mother was dying. Sure. And he went and saw her. And then he comes back to the bullfight. And he comes back to to claim Carmen. And Carmen, who was proudly on the arm of this very successful and beloved Toreador. Right. And he's lurking in the background here and confronts her. And so, so what happens is you've got this scene with Carmen and Don Jose where... He's confronting her. She's remaining strong and asserting herself. And in the background, you've got this this bullfight going on, which is up to this point, it's been spectacle and majesty and we love our Toreador. But then you have to stop and think, what's actually going on in that bullring? They're it's, killing bulls. Right? It's so, so that it's spectacle and it's joyous from what we just heard. But there is this dark brutality. side to it, this yeah. brutality and dark side to it. And, and we're hearing sounds in the background for that, but front and center for us as the audience is this encounter between Carmen and Don Jose. And she says, I'm not afraid of you. And, and Don Jose says, well, I'm not threatening. I'm just imploring you. Forget everything. Let's, let's be together. I love you. We want to make it work from right here, from right now. And Carmen says, that's impossible. I've never lied to you. I've never lied, but it's over between us. Get that through your head. And Don Jose continues to, to beg and to plead. I, I love you. I love you. And Carmen's like, this is not going to work. And then it all comes into her head. She's remembering the cards, remembering the threats, remembering everything. I know that you're going to kill me. Live or die. I'm not giving in to you. I'm not changing for you, she says. Has he changed for her? Oh, yes, he has, very much. But she says, I won't change for you, even if it kills me. And it kills her. And that's it. Pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal. Well, then, just going to listen to that happen, basically. The end of this opera is, is amazing. There's a the, lot. The end is going amazing, on. and I think I think ultimately we have to sort of smile and credit Bizet because there's there's power for morality being portrayed in this opera. The people who criticize him for lack of morals because he showed smugglers and gypsies and mm -hmm. low lives. I mean, the message here is that his life would have been fine if he'd stayed with the pure girl from the country, if he hadn't succumbed to the temptation 
of the gypsy. That is the role of the gypsy in popular culture so often, the temptress Mm -hmm. into something one ought not do, the temptress into bad behavior. You can even think of the old share song, yeah. Gypsies Transform. Right. And I, I mean, I, this morning, I, 17 things popped into my head where there are gypsies there, and they're always seducing people somehow into poor behavior. And that's exactly what happens in this opera. And so Bizet does have a strong moral component here, I believe. And also a very strong musical performance. Well, that's why we love it. Pat, thank you so much for being in the studio today. A pleasure. It was great to have... Some background and just the historical context of this incredible opera. And we're going we're gonna to end the show and sign off with, with just the, the climax of this incredible performance in Act 4 of Carmen's Bizet on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL.
dire que tu n'étais pas loin, que tu devais venir. L'on m'avait même dit de craindre pour ma vie. Mais je suis brave. Tu n'es pas voulu fuir. Je ne menace pas. Je t'aime encore, Carmen, et 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make Opera opera for for everyone. everyone.